We're continuing our sermon series this morning titled, Not in the Word. We are looking at statements that are commonly believed to be in God's Word, which are not in the Word. If we believe and follow these statements, they can actually lead us away from the truth of God's Word. The more we know and obey God's Word, the better we will be at recognizing and rejecting what doesn't come from God's Word. So as we begin our study time together in God's Word, I want to remind each one of us, that we are not here by accident. We are here on purpose. It does not matter whether you came this morning singing and smiling or complaining and fighting. You are here this morning because God wants you to be here. God has something to say to each of us that's for us and for us to share with those he's going to place around us this week. And so we understand and know God is speaking to us. He has already been speaking to us through this entire time of worship. He will continue doing so now as we open and study his word together. So God, we just ask that you would uh, make your word clear to us, give us eyes to see, ears to hear, the strength, the desire, the will to do exactly what it is you asked us to do. Whatever that may be, God, for those who are here this morning who do not have a relationship with you, God, would you lead that individual? Would you lead those persons to say yes to your gift of salvation by placing their faith in Christ Jesus? God, for each of us, wherever you find us this morning, would you draw us closer to you in this time? For it is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The statement I want us to look at this morning is simply this. Money is the root of all evil. This sounds good, even maybe biblical, but it's not in the Word. Money in and of itself is not bad or evil in any way. God actually talked a lot about money in His Word. Scholars tell us that one-sixth of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, focuses on money. One out of every three parables of Jesus focuses on money. Luke wrote in the book of Acts about how the members of the first church in Jerusalem gave to God and to one another faithfully and generously. Luke told us in Acts one of the very first problems that the first church in Jerusalem dealt with was the uh, lying of Ananias and his wife Sapphira. Uh, They lied to God about their giving to God. The Apostle Paul wrote and told us about how the members of the first church in Philippi supported him in his ministry faithfully and generously when he was with them and when he was away from them. Paul told us about how all the different churches uh, that spread out from Jerusalem gave to one another generously when there was a need in a particular church. Paul discipled Timothy and he instructed Timothy about money as he discipled Timothy. Peter talked about the importance of sharing and giving and hospitality. What's the point? The point is simply this. Money was a common topic of preaching and teaching and discussion as we look into God's Word. So I want us to continue that preaching and teaching and discussion this morning. Open your Bibles with me to 1 Timothy chapter 6. Paul wrote 1 Timothy to Timothy, his son of the faith, his disciple. At this point in time, just for a reference point, Timothy was pastoring the church in Ephesus. 
Paul had left him there to pastor the church at Ephesus. So Paul's writing to Timothy. Timothy's pastoring the church in Ephesus. And Timothy is focused in on dealing with false teachers. False teachers were prevalent then as they are today. And in 1 Timothy 6, Paul warned Timothy, the believers in the church in Ephesus, and really all Christ followers, including us this morning, about false teachers. And in 1 Timothy chapter 6, I'll begin reading in verse 3. If anyone teaches other doctrine and does not agree with the sound teaching of our Lord Jesus Christ and with the teaching that promotes godliness, he is conceited, understanding nothing, but having a sick interest in disputes and arguments over words. From these come envy, quarreling, slanders, evil suspicions, and constant disagreement among men whose minds are depraved and deprived of the truth who imagine that godliness is a way to material gain. What a sobering description of the false teachers by Paul. Paul shared real quickly, false teachers teach false doctrine. They teach things other than the doctrine of the truth of God's word. False teachers are conceited, they're prideful, they're divisive. They want people to follow them rather than God. He said false teachers are depraved and deprived of the truth. That means they are uh, lost in their sin. That means they're unsaved. They're not living godly lives because they don't have a relationship with God through faith and trust in Christ Jesus. And he said these false teachers saw godliness as a way to material gain. What does that mean? It means simply this. The false teachers that Paul was referencing to Timothy, that Timothy was dealing with in Ephesus, similar to many false teachers today, these false teachers were preaching for profit. Their focus was on greed, not God. The motive of their ministry was money, not God. And so we see real clearly what's going on with these false teachers. They were driven by a desire to be rich. They were driven by a love of money, these false teachers, which leads us to the truth, the the balance to that statement. The truth is this, a love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. The love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Let's continue and look down in verse 9 and verse 10. Paul said, but those who want to be rich fall into temptation, a trap, and many foolish and harmless and harmful desires, which plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. And by craving it, that means by craving money, some have wandered away from the truth, wandered away from the faith, and pierced themselves with many pains. Real quickly, a desire to be rich and the love of money go hand in hand. They travel together. A desire to be rich and the love of money go hand in hand. Here in verse 10, the love of money literally means, in the original language, affection for silver. Affection for silver. The love of money it means to covet. It means to be greedy. It means to be driven by greed. And so we know the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Now, just real quickly, roots are most often unseen. Roots are what generally give strength to a plant or to a tree. The nutrients that flow from the roots all the way up and out to the plant or to the tree. 
Roots are also, more often than not, difficult to get down to in order to get them up and out. And so what Paul is saying to Timothy is simply this. The love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. When the love of money takes root in our lives, it will lead us to all kinds of evil, error, and troubles. The false teachers were guilty of these charges. They were guilty of the desire to be rich. They were guilty of the love of money. And Paul is warning Timothy and all Christ followers. He's given a warning to Timothy and all Christ followers, including us this morning, about watching out, being on guard against the temptation to desire and love money. He's encouraging us to watch out for the temptation to desire and love money instead of desiring and loving God. As Jesus himself said in Matthew 6, 24, no one can be slaves of two masters. Since either he will hate the one and love the other or be devoted to the one and despise the other, no one can be slaves of God and of money. So Jesus made it clear, we cannot be devoted to God and devoted to money. It's one or the other, love God or love money. And we all understand based on the truth of God's word, we understand, according to the Holy Spirit who lives within us, the right choice there is clearly love God. It's clearly love God. So let's look for just a moment uh, and let's explore this just a little bit deeper. Why is it unwise to love money? Why is it unwise? Paul's warning Timothy and us here. Why is it unwise to love money? Well, there's many reasons. Let me just give you a few. Uh, If you're taking notes, you can jot these down. Number one, money does not last. It's not wise to love money because money doesn't last. If you're taking notes, write out beside money doesn't last, especially if you have kids. As parents, you understand that to be true. Money doesn't last. Look at verse 7. Paul said, for we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out. We brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out. A wealthy man passed away and friends were talking at the funeral, and one said, well, how much did he leave? And a wise woman said, everything. He left it all. We've brought nothing into this world, and no matter how hard we may try, we will not take anything out of this world. So it's unwise to love money. It's unwise to allow that root to take place and to spread in our lives, because money doesn't last. It's like the old saying, here today, gone tomorrow. When it comes to money, that saying could be changed, here today, gone today, here today, gone yesterday. So we understand it doesn't last. Old Testament friend Job is an example of this. Job understood this point. Our Old Testament friend Job had it all. He had great wealth. He had livestock. He had servants. He had a great family, a large family. He had all kinds of things, everything you could possibly want. He had integrity and faith in God. And yet when God allowed Satan to test Job's faith in God by taking things from Job, Job's faith in God and his integrity remained strong. 
After Job lost everything, after Job lost most of his livestock and his servants, and as Job lost most of his family, his wealth, he said in Job 1, 21, naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will leave this life. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So we understand and realize what Job knew. It's not wise for us to love money. It's not wise for us to trust in money. It's not wise for us to desire money above everything and everyone else because in part money doesn't last. Secondly, we see the love of money hinders contentment. The love of money hinders contentment. Look in verse 6. Paul said, but godliness with contentment is a great gain. Let's read that together out loud. But godliness with contentment is a great gain. If you look down to verse 8, he said, but if we have food and clothing, will we be content with these? So he's talking to us about contentment. He says, but godliness with contentment is a great gain. Godliness means all reverence, respect for God. Godliness means living like God. Godliness is living a godly, holy life, a God-first life focused on pleasing God because we have been saved by God's grace through our faith in Christ Jesus. We want to live like God. Now understand, godliness happens not by us, but by the power of the Holy Spirit living within us. As we depend on God and trust in God day by day, God, by his Holy Spirit living within us, fills us with the desire and the strength, the desire and the ability to live godly lives and allows us to be those witnesses for Christ Jesus. And so we know and understand godliness with contentment is a great gain. So what is contentment? Well, contentment, a simple definition of contentment is contentment is being satisfied with who we are and what we have in Christ Jesus. Contentment is being satisfied with who we are and what we have in Christ Jesus. You see, contentment is found in Christ Jesus. Contentment is found in knowing that we have been forgiven by God and we have been changed by God. We are right with God in Christ Jesus. Contentment comes from knowing God will meet all of our needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Contentment comes from knowing greater is he who's in us than he who's in the world. Contentment comes from knowing God's grace is sufficient for us and his power is perfected in our weakness. Contentment comes from knowing God is with us everywhere we go. Contentment comes from knowing we are God's workmanship, his masterpiece created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared in advance for us to do. Contentment helps us live godly lives. Contentment is a blessing, an encouragement, and a great gain for us spiritually. However, contentment is not always easy for us to find. Contentment is not always easy for us to hold on to. The love of money hinders contentment. The love of money, follow me now, the love of money takes our eyes off what God has given to us and turns our eyes to what the world wants for us. The love of money takes our eyes away from what God has given to us 
and turns our eyes to what the world wants for us. We live in a more, more, more society. We battle with the desire to acquire on a daily basis. I like what one guy said, the person with seven children is more content than the person with seven million dollars because the person with seven million dollars wants more. And so we know and understand. <laughs> Took just a second, but you got it. It's good. That's good. It's nine o'clock. I get it. It's, it's, it's early. I get it. No problem. I will not tell the next service about that delay. I promise you I won't do that. Listen, we battle with the monster of more. All the time. Commercials and advertisements are constantly shouting to us every day, all through the day. You have to have this or you have to have that in order to be happy. Everyone has this. Everyone has that. Buy this. Buy that. Charge this. Charge that. Whatever you have to do, get more stuff. That's the message of the world, get. But the message of God is give. The world says get. God says give. So in a getting world, our challenge is to develop the desire, the joy, the faithfulness of giving. The Apostle Paul understood the challenge of contentment. Even years and years and years ago, when Paul was teaching and preaching the Word of God, he understood the challenge uh, that is presented to each of us as followers of Jesus Christ in regards to contentment because he understands that we're in this world, but we're not of this world. Uh, We're looking forward to our eternity in heaven. We're just simply passing through, and so we still have to battle with these different temptations, and certainly uh, our enemy is constantly trying to lead us towards discontentment rather than contentment, because contentment is what God wants, and discontentment is what our enemy wants. And so Paul talked about this, and Paul said in Philippians chapter 4, in verse 11, he was thanking the church in Philippi for sending him financial support and gifts while he was ministering in other areas and towns. And even when he would be in prison, they would send support. He said this in verse 11, I don't say this out of need. Again, he's not saying, he's saying, thank you for everything. And I'm not now asking you to give me more. I'm just letting you know. He says, I'm wanting to let you know, thanks for what you give me. He said, I'm not, I don't say this out of need for I have learned, there's a key, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. I know both how to have a little and I know how to have a lot. And in all circumstances, I have learned, there it is again, twice, I have learned the secret of being content, whether well-fed or hungry, whether in abundance or in need. I am able to do all things through him, through Christ, who strengthens me. This secret to contentment, we understand and realize that contentment is found in Christ Jesus. Contentment is learned in Christ Jesus. Contentment is lived out by our faith and trust in Christ Jesus. I love what Bible scholar said. He said this, true contentment is not in having everything, but in being satisfied with everything you have. It's not in having everything, but it's being satisfied 
with everything you have. Third reason that it's unwise to love money is the love of money leads us away from God. I want you to listen to verses 9 and 10 once again, and I just want you to listen to the graphic descriptions uh, and the imagery that Paul shares with Timothy and with us as I read these verses. As you look and read along in these verses, just, just allow your mind to soak in on, on what he's saying here. He says, but those who want to be rich fall into temptation a trap. And many foolish, harmful desires, which plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, and by craving it, some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pains. Satan tempts people with the stuff of this world to keep them from placing their faith in God. When people love money, when they have a desire to be rich, when they crave money more than anyone and anything in life, they fall into Satan's trap. They fall into his temptation to sin. What happens is they allow the sin of greed to reside inside their lives. And when they are found to have that desire to be rich, that love of money taking root in their lives, it leads them to make harmful decisions, foolish decisions about the money they have and about the money they don't have. Because greediness leads to godlessness. Understand, greediness leads to godlessness. And the ultimate ruin of destruction that we see here that Paul's warning Timothy about, the ultimate ruin of destruction of those who love money, of those who desire to be rich more than anything and anyone, is they will ultimately spend eternity in hell separated from God because they wanted the stuff of this world more than they wanted the Savior of this world, Jesus Christ. Now, Satan tempts us as Christ followers with the stuff of this world to lead us away from God and to cause us to pierce ourselves with many pains. He tempts us with the stuff of this world because he wants to lead us away from God. And he knows if he can lead us away from God, if he can tempt us with the stuff of this world, we're going to pierce ourselves with many pains. We're going to make bad decisions. And he does this because he hates us and he wants to destroy our walk with God, our worship of God, and our witness for God. He hates you and he hates me. And so we see this warning and we're reminded that loving money rather than God is sin. Greed is sin. It leads us away from God. It breaks our fellowship with God. It hurts our walk with God, our worship of God, and our witness for God. And so we see and understand why it's so important for us to make the right decision as it relates to money. It's so important for us to understand that godliness with contentment is a great gain. So what does this leave for us to do? What does God want us to do with money? What does God want me to do with money? What does God want you to do with money? The answer is simple. I must manage God's money God's way. I must manage God's money God's way. You must manage God's money God's way. I must manage God's money God's way. The psalmist David said in Psalm 24 in verse 1, 
the world and everything in it, the earth and everything in it, the world and its inhabitants belong to the Lord. That means us. We're part of the earth and everything in it, the world and its inhabitants. And so we know all we are and all we have is from God. James said in James 1.17, every generous act and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights. With him there is no variation or shadow cast by turning. God is the giver of all good gifts. God is the greatest giver ever. God is the undisputed, undefeated, super heavyweight champion of giving of all times. There is no one better at giving than God. For God so loved the world that he gave Say that with me, that he gave his one and only son. God gives us the air that we are currently breathing. God has given us our health, our mind, our strength, our wisdom that allows us to do what we do, that allows us to earn the money we earn at our jobs. It's from the Lord. And therefore, it makes sense. All we are and all we have is from God. It makes sense that we should manage God's money God's way. He's the owner. We're his stewards. We are his managers. God's the owner of all. We're his stewards. And a simple definition of stewardship, stewardship is the proper use of God's resources by God's servant for God's glory. Stewardship is the proper use of God's resources by God's servant for God's glory. It's managing God's money God's way. That's what it means to be a good steward. God has given us all we are and all we have. Everything. And therefore, we're to be his stewards of time. We're to be his stewards of our wisdom. We're to be his stewards of our bodies. We're to be his stewards of encouragement. We're to be his stewards of love. We're to be his stewards of everything, but we are also specifically to be his stewards of his money. And so we can manage God's money God's way Uh, In a couple of ways, I just want to highlight real briefly with us this morning. If we're going to manage God's money God's way, number one, that means be grateful. Be grateful. We should be grateful to God for all his blessings. We should be grateful to God for saving us from our sins. We should be grateful to God for all we have and all that we are. We should be grateful to God because of our riches in Christ Jesus. We should be grateful to God because we are rich in Christ Jesus. Amen? We are rich. Hey, the truth is, every one of us in this room are rich in comparison with the rest of this world. Overwhelmingly rich. And I won't spend time with the statistics and all those ways to support that reality because you know it's true. We are rich in Christ Jesus. God has blessed us in amazing ways. And so we understand and realize we must be grateful to God. Now, Paul encouraged Timothy in this way. Look at verse 17. He continued talking about this, got back to it in verse 17. He actually talked about stay away from the love of money. Then in verses 11 through 16, he said, now pursue these things, righteousness, faith. He started to challenge him. And then he came back and he said in verse 17, instruct those who are rich, that's us, it's you and me, instruct those who are rich in the present age, we, we are, not to be arrogant, or to set their hope on the uncertainty of wealth, but on God, who richly provides us with all things to enjoy. Now that's a mouthful. What a great, great verse. Here's what we need to understand, and maybe just be reminded of once again. 
Having money and even having lots of money is not wrong as long as the money doesn't have us. That's the simple principle that we understand and realize as followers of Jesus Christ. All we are and all we have is from God. So whatever he's given to us, whatever we have, we're to be content with that, be thankful and grateful for that. And understanding how blessed we are, Paul encouraged Timothy, he encouraged us that we shouldn't be arrogant about what we have because all we have has been provided to us by our almighty God. (laughs) We shouldn't take credit for what we have. We shouldn't be arrogant about what we have. We shouldn't act as if it's all ours because all we have is from almighty God. He said, he's the one who has richly provided us with all things. So what does that mean? It means many things, but just one. We are to never, ever look down on others, and we are to never, ever mistreat others because they don't have what we have or because they don't have as much as we have. We're never to do that. Why? Because we understand we're not arrogant. We're not prideful. We understand all we have is from the Lord, and it's given to us to enjoy, but it's also given to us to, to share. And so we understand how important this is. And then he says as well, we shouldn't put our hope, we shouldn't set our hope, we shouldn't set our minds on wealth. We shouldn't put our hope on wealth. Why? Because it's uncertain. Instead, we should set our hope on God. We should focus on God. We should trust in God, love God, depend on God. Why? Because God never changes. He's the same yesterday and today and forever. God loves us and God loves to provide us with good gifts. God loves to meet our needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. And I want you to see this point in verse 17. I don't want us to miss this point. This is very important. I want you to see this. Look at the end. We are to set our hope on God who richly provides us with all things to what? To enjoy to enjoy. Hey, God wants us to enjoy his blessings and his provision. God wants us to enjoy him in every way, which happens as we set our hope on him, as we put our trust in him, as we recognize and understand all we have and all we are is from the Lord, he gives it to us because he's our good father. He loves us. He blesses us with all of these things that he has given to us because in part he wants us to enjoy them. He wants us to enjoy his blessings. He wants us to enjoy his good gifts just as we have that same desire for our kids. We give our kids blessings. We provide our kids with their needs, and we do so in part because they have those needs, but we do so as loving parents with a heart of love because we want them to enjoy it. We don't want them to hope in it. We don't want them to trust in it. We don't want them to crave it. We don't want them to love it, but we want them to enjoy it. By acknowledging it comes from the Father. Well, no, Dad, you bought it. Well, no, Mom, you went to the store and you got it. Yes, you're right. But understand and realize that what we have and what we're able to buy for you at the store comes from our Father God who provides us with everything that we have. 
He's the one who enables dad. He's the one who enables mom to work. He's the one who gives them their strength. He's the one who gives them their wisdom. You know how smart mom is. You know how hard she works. You know how strong dad is. You know how hard he works. And we love giving to you kids because our heavenly father loves giving to us so that we can enjoy giving to you. Training our children up in the instruction in truth of the word day by day by day. Be grateful. And then secondly, if we're going to manage God's money God's way, be generous. Be generous. Look at what he says. I love this in verse 18. Instruct them to do good, to be rich in good works, and to be generous. Say that with me. To be generous, willing to share storing up for themselves a good foundation for the age to come so that they may take hold of the life that is real. Look at this now. Paul said God is a generous giver. We know and understand that our God is a generous giver. He's the greatest giver ever. He's the one who richly provides us with all things. Paul made that clear. And now Paul is challenging Timothy and us to be generous givers like God. And so what he's sharing here is that we need to be generous. What does that mean? Generous literally means ready to give. It means willing to share. What does that mean? It means we, if we're going to manage money God's way, his money his way, that means we're going to be grateful to him for all that he has blessed us with, and we're going to recognize that he's the giver of all that we have and are. And then we're going to be generous. We're going to be ready to share with our brothers and sisters in Christ when they have a need. Or we're just going to be ready to share with our brothers and sisters in Christ when we want to bless them. We're going to be ready to share with God generously through the church because that's what God calls us to do in his word. And we're going to also be ready to share and we're going to be ready to give when God brings someone across our way who has a need that we might be able to meet. We're going to be ready to share. If we're going to manage God's money God's way, we're going to make sure that we're managing it through gratefulness and thankfulness, but also through sharing and being willing to be hospitable, being willing to share, looking for those opportunities to be a blessing to others when they expect it, when they need it, when they don't expect it, when they don't need it. It's the beauty of our lunch blessing this month. That's talking, we're talking about generosity. That's what it's all about. Being ready to share, being willing to share. Just sharing the love of Jesus. He's going to figure out who he wants to be blessed on that day. It's all for him. It's his money anyways. We're just his vessels to pour it out. It's simply it. Here's the good news. We can't outgive God. It's impossible for us to outgive God. So at times when we start to think, well, I don't have a whole lot, or I just have a little bit left, and if I'm generous with that, then I'm not going to have any more. No, 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 no. You be generous, and God's going to make sure you have more than enough that you need to bless others. He will bless you. Remember, his shovel's a whole lot bigger than ours. And he just keeps shoveling blessings into our lives. And we're not talking about that prosperity gospel. We're talking about the blessings of God. As we share, he blesses our lives in every way. And understand this. Paul echoed Jesus' words. Paul said to us here in verses 18 and 19, we invest in heaven as we give generously. 
We invest in heaven as we give generously. You know, we can't take anything with us, but we can send it ahead. We can send it ahead by investing in heaven. As he said, storing up for themselves. By being generous, we store up for ourselves a good foundation in the age to come so that they may take hold of life. It's truly real and eternal. You see, Jesus said, don't collect for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and thieves break in and steal, but collect for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. Giving generously allows us to invest in heaven, allows us to invest in eternity by helping those who don't know Christ to come to faith in Christ, to know Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord, so they too can know the life that is truly real, the life that is eternal. And we understand and realize that we do this when we are part of church family, this church family, that's why he was telling this to the church in Ephesus, keep doing it. Because as they kept doing it, they were able to send missionaries out so that others could come to know Jesus Christ and understand and realize your generosity, your willingness to give week in and week out, month in and month out, allows us to make sure that those here in Lillum and in this North Texas area hear the good news of Jesus Christ. But it also allows us to make sure that we're able to support Scott and Melissa and Vanessa and Wes and Jessica and Bailey and Gabby and John and Ebby and all those that are all in the world. They're out in the world as Paul was writing back, thanking them. They too, as they are off into the nations, they're helping people come to know Jesus Christ. And we are investing in heaven because of our generosity through their faithfulness to go. As Lisa and Jordan, Randy and Jackie and Chad Marianne have done that this week in Montreal. We do this day by day by day here. Being grateful, being generous. Jesus finished by saying, for where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. Listen, God doesn't want our money. He wants our hearts. And we show God how much we love God by our giving to God. For your treasure is. There your hearts will be also. So our Heavenly Father blesses us with all good gifts to enjoy. So we're going to be grateful and we're going to be generous knowing that God blesses us as we live for Him. And God certainly blesses us as we give to Him. Let me ask you to bow in prayer. Our worship team will come now and lead us in this time of 